Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. Now, I met some other girl. And now I'm just like, I'm just blown away by her. Like, I had this vision of what I wanted my next or future girl to be like. And she shares all of the qualities and more. And I'm just blown away by her. Like, I I can't even believe that I found her. I'd never had the urge to wake up every day to do something until, you know, being out of prison. It's a blessing to be able to experience life in a whole new aspect. And I hope that uh, everything works out. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Jorge Nava. Today's episode is a story that is straight out of Joseph Campbell's Heroes journey. All right, so let me back up. One of the standard questions that I ask on this podcast is what's your guilty pleasure? And the show 90 Day Fiance is often mentioned as people's guilty pleasures. So I decided I'm going to watch this show. Everybody loves it. Let's give it a shot. So my wife and I became addicted to it. The show is about uh, how people who fell in love with someone outside of the country and decided to file for a K-1 visa, which allows them to come to the U.S., but the the catch is they have to get married in 90 days. That's all they give them. It's called a fiancé visa. They give them 90 days to get married or the person gets deported back to their country. So the show is totally addictive. One of the guys that was on the show is my guest today. His name is Jorge Nava. And he met this girl from Russia who completely changed on him when she got to the States. So a little background on Jorge. Jorge was a grower of marijuana where it's perfectly legal here in California, but was having trouble getting his crops to grow fast enough to meet the demands of his new fiance's financial needs. She kept saying, I want a bag. I want this. I want that. And he kept wanting to give it to her. So this podcast picks up with him deciding because his crop was not growing fast enough. He decided to buy 393 pounds of marijuana from another legal state, except he had one risk that he had to take, which was to transport that marijuana through one state where it was not legal. That was where he screwed up. And guess what? He got pulled over and they found 393 pounds of marijuana in Arizona where it wasn't legal. 
the reason why I had him on the show is the story is really, like I said, the hero's journey. It's a redemption story where he goes into jail and he's 125 pounds overweight. And one day he picks up a book in the library from Tony Robbins, which is Awaken the Giant Within. And he systematically decides to go through this journey of self-exploration. And while he's going through this journey, his wife leaves him. They got married. His wife leaves him. He finds out on social media. And so now here he is. He gets sentenced to, I think they originally gave him four years, but he wound up serving two years. And he lost 125 pounds in jail and found who he is at a much deeper level. So we go into um, all of the details of what that was like before it happened, when it happened, and now um, after it happens. He's uh, just, I think, three weeks outside of prison. So it's an amazing story. There's a lot to learn. He's a young man who definitely made some mistakes. Um, he's trying to find his way in the world. And I really think you can get a lot, get a lot out of this. So give it a listen and let me know what you think. Jorge, welcome to the show. What's up, Rob? How you doing? I am doing really well. I'm super excited that you decided to do the interview because for me, you represent how someone who was faced with extreme circumstances and your ability to radically turn your entire life around. I mean, turn your mindset around, turn your physical body around. But I think in order to tell this story correctly and to put it into the proper context, we have to go back and tell the backstory. So if you're game, I think a good starting off point uh, to begin with this would be the reality show. So for people who have not watched the show, it's a show on TLC and it follows couples who have applied for a K-1 visa and have effectively 90 days to marry each other. So I guess the first question is, how did 90 Day Fiance enter your life and why did you decide to do it? It happened by almost sort of like an accident. So when we were kind of, me and Anfisa were looking to get the K-1 visa, going way, way back, you know, I was dating her for maybe about like a year before we, before I even decided to like, hey, you know what, I know how to bring her to America. Let me uh, pro not propose, but let me uh, marry her. You know, yeah. So I figured it was going to be like an easy, an easier task for me to just go through all the paperwork, marry her, and bring her to America, so that you know we're not so far apart and we can kind of continue our relationship. Because everything was good at the beginning. It was it was crazy. It wasn't like how you've seen it on TV. But yeah, as soon as uh, the whole camera thing started rolling, like I don't know, I just everything changed about the whole relationship. Well, okay. So let's, let's back up just a little bit. So how did you guys meet? There's, there's two pieces of conflicting information that I, that I got one, one was, um, you know, that she was some, something with a camera on the internet. She was like a, a web girl. And then the other one, the yeah. other version was you met on Facebook. And so what's the truth? Uh, you know what? 
I can't really th- that one. That one's going to be sort of off limits. I'm going to kind of let the people decide, you know, where where that sits or where that stands at this current moment in time. Yeah, I I, I get it. So so I think I think the answer is is clear in everybody's head. So you can you can be the judge there, and you're going to be you're going to take the high road and be a gentleman, and that's that's awesome. So okay, I got that part. So now, how did the cameras? get involved did you guys sign up to do the show yeah so there was an email casting call on the website that we were using as a host for the um k1 visa like they they do like legal they put your legal paperwork together and in this website there was a casting call and she decides to reach out to them if i remember correctly Mm. Uh, she reached out to them kind of told them a little bit a bio of both of us and they really liked the story. Next thing you know, they responded. We do an, uh, a Skype interview. And yep. then next thing you know, cameras are all set up. We have a contract signed that was just ridiculous, by the way. I mean, at first this, this show, they were promising riches and fortunes and it just, it never came. And so are you, are you fun. cool with, are you cool with talking about that? Because a lot of people that, you know, either I've interviewed have, have, who have been on reality shows or, you know, other people that are trying to shop getting on reality shows. Whatever you feel comfortable talking about is is totally cool. But like if you were to give somebody advice on, you know, who's in that situation where they're like, well, you know, I got this, I got this reality deal and I'm signing this contract and they're promising me. Like what kinds of things are, do they promise? And then what's the truth of what really happens? Well, they sell it to you like it's the next Hollywood story. Like, you know, we're we're new talent, you know, so we're not well-known or anything like that. And they sell it to you like, oh, you're going to have all these opportunities and you're going to be able to do this and do that after the fact. And, and you really can if you're smart with it. If you're basically uh, able to take whatever negativity they, they uh, monetize off of their show and turn it into something positive, then you're able to either use a publicity for your own advantage. But what happens is that they sign you up to, to a crazy exclusive contract that basically states that you're exclusively owned by them. Like any rights is all owned by them and you can't do nothing without their consent. And it's just mm. ridiculously crazy, you know, dealing with these contracts. And then another thing too, is like, you know, as a beginning, as beginning talent to TV, they kind of tell you like, you know, well, you're nobody right now. So like you have no choice. Either you sign this or we'll move on to somebody else. Mm. So if you wanted to come up with your own tequila and you wanted to call it the Jorge tequila and talk about it in the show, they're going to get a piece of that. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So the days of like Bethany Frankel on, you know, Real Housewives, you know, creating a billion... See, the thing thing is, is that I don't know how other networks write up their contracts because everybody might have some different way of doing their contracts. But the one that I did definitely Mm -hmm. was terrible. Okay, got it. All right. So now, now you're doing the show. What is it like when, you know, all of a sudden cameras show up in your house and they're following you around? Is there a bit of in the beginning, is it weird, but then over time you start getting used to it and you don't even see them anymore? Or you know, like, what's that experience like? At first it is a little weird. It, it kind of takes some time to getting used to it. But um, yeah, once the, the cameras start rolling, you kind of get a good vibe for, you know, all the, the camera crew and stuff like that. Then, you know, everything kind of tends to feel a little more uh, comfortable. Got it. So you just sort of get used to it after a while. Yeah. 
Did you watch yourself uh, on television? <laughs> I did at first, and it was super weird. But then I only watched a little bit. I didn't try to watch too much because I just felt that every time we rewatched the show or something like that, like there would be some drama that would just leak into the real world. I don't know. It was weird. Well, I bet. I mean, you know, that with social media, everything's magnified now. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, okay. When I was watching the show, here's what I saw. I saw an overweight guy who was being manipulated by a younger pretty girl, my words, not yours, to buy her things like a $10,000 bag, et cetera. When you look back on that time period in your life, what was going through your head? So this is what tends, I mean, this is what was happening in my head. I love this woman. You know, when I first met her, we were going through, you know, some pretty magnificent times. We were, we were having a blast traveling all these places. I was buying her gifts and, you know what I mean? Like I didn't even question it. And I still had this same love for her, you know? So when she came here and she started acting up and going all crazy on me, like I still was hoping that maybe this is just temporary. Maybe this is just because she's going through culture shock right now. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I was blind to all of the the BS that was going on that I shouldn't have had to go through. But I was still hoping, you know, I was, I was hoping that it would just change one day and it never changed. Do you think that there's an element of you know, I don't know how to put this in any other way, but do you think there's an element of a setup where, you know, I'm just going to get to America. Once I get to America, then it, it, this is like, my job has been handled. Cause you see that, you know, with all the people on the show, looking back on it now, and you've had some time to think about it. Do you see it that way? Or do you see it differently? Uh, you know what now? I mean, now looking at it, I do see it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes, that makes sense to me. All right. So was there a particular moment in the relationship that broke the camel's back for you where you said, Hmm. okay, no more, not another day, not another minute. I can't do this anymore. And if yes, what was that moment? Actually, there wasn't until I went to prison. Mm -hmm. The moment that I found out that she was with somebody else. It just like faded into thin air. Like everything I felt for her. I mean, I was still trying to work through all of this stuff that I was going through and willing to get out and, and work on my relationship and hopeful that maybe my marriage would still continue to work mm-hmm. regardless of all of the stuff that we went through. And then that happened. I found out through the internet. And it was just devastating to me. You know, I just, I was so mad. And it put me into that mode of like depression. You know what I mean? Like I was, I didn't know how to react because in prison, you don't have any type of power to do anything. Like you can't do absolutely nothing. You could get a, you could get a phone call and that's it. But where's the phone call going to get me? You know, it's like, I can't sit there and talk to her face to face and tell her like, Hey, why did you do this? What are you doing? What are you doing? And then now that I got out, I've heard a lot of rumors from people directly that know that this guy that she's with, like, it's so crazy. So odd, bizarre. Like I never even tried to kind of know the details, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's like, whatever. I mean, it is what it is now. 
that's how, that's much, what, how much of a connection or or interaction did you guys have uh, from the time that you went to jail? Well, at first we were talking like every day, and then it started to go less and less and less as time went on. Mm-hmm. So, like the first maybe six months, we were talking like every day. And was there a piece of you when it got less and less where you're like, uh, something doesn't feel right here? It actually didn't feel right from the very get-go though. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I just, right, right. <laughs> I, something felt off and odd and I'd bring yeah. it up to her attention and she didn't, you know, she would just blow it off or like try yeah. to avoid the question. And then I just felt like something was wrong the whole time, but it was maybe just my gut feeling of, or just being in prison, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was going on and I just was blind to it again. Yeah. I, I continued to be blind to it but until I found out, like I looked through the internet, I found out, I called her because her, she had blocked me. So there was no way for me to even get through to her. Mm-hmm. So when she blocked me, one day I called and the phone happened to be on and, uh, I talked to her on the phone really quick and I was, and she's like, Hey, you know, I have to tell you something. I was like, no, you don't have to tell me anything. Absolutely nothing. Like, I just want to tell you good luck with your life. And that was the last phone call that we had. And how long ago was that? That was like probably coming up on a year now. Like, I don't know, like maybe like 10 months, nine months or something. Wow. All right. So let's, let's set the context here for people. Um, We're talking about uh, jail. You were in the marijuana business and, you know, I live in LA now where it's perfectly legal, but I believe that where your offense happened was Arizona where it's not. Can you walk me through what happened in early uh, 2018 when you were arrested for uh, 293 pounds of marijuana in your car? So you want to, you want the story, like the little backstory of uh, the whole get down or... Yeah, just okay. just for people that don't they they don't understand. It's yeah. very confusing, right? Because it's legal, and you were you were running it as a business. You weren't, you know, you weren't like a a, a pusher on the streets. Yeah, you no, know, I definitely you- wasn't. Uh, I was. I I've been in the marijuana industry as a grower for a long time, and I mean, I don't know people that understand the business and they know, you know, if they're a grower or not. Um, they know the get down of like how everything works and operates. You know what not to do. But everybody, you know, I feel like eventually sometimes you get yourself in a pickle or you need money or something and like, it's so easy to just break the law, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't necessarily condone breaking the law or anything like that. I'm just saying that we all go through struggles and we all make dumb decisions sometimes. Yeah. And so what I was going through at the time, me and my, and my ex-wife, we we're going through troubles. My financial issue wasn't the best. I had basically tried to fix that by letting her keep all of the revenue that I was making from the reality TV show, just so that I can work and do what I need to do. And I put myself in a very bad situation by doing that. I even tried to get another job. I got a regular job at the time. It was crazy. I even, I got a regular job, anything that can just kind of pay the bills, the bills that I had were just like stacking up. And so, um, I got a regular job and I worked there for a couple months and I was just like, you know what? Like I was still doing the growing thing, but then it just wasn't coming fast enough, you know, to, to grow a crop 
from start to finish with not with you know with nothing from the very beginning it's going to take you 90 days so at this time i was going through this rough patch and i figured hey you know what well i'm going through a rough patch well what better would it be if i just make this little trip and make a little extra money and that way i won't be in a rough patch for a while you know i'll be be able to come back and be on my feet and maybe hopefully if i make a little extra more money then I can put it towards our relationship and maybe things can get better. You know, like, I don't know. I was just trying to, I was trying to, trying to think about what would fix my relationship or what would fix my whole current situation beside my relationship, my financial situation. It just like, at the time I was going through like a very, very negative time. You know, I, I was going through depression. I was going through, you know, I was morbidly obese at the time. Like, I mean, not that that really matters of anything, but I mean, I was going through so many things that I wasn't even thinking clearly. So you make a trip and you go from California to Arizona. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to Arizona, but I was passing by through Arizona. And when I first come into Arizona, I get pulled over. Oh, okay. So you so you went to a different state, but got pulled over in Arizona. Yeah. Well, I was going to a different state. Yeah. I was okay, going to another it. legal state. You go into another legal state? Yes. So that's interesting. So, okay, you went from one legal state to another legal state, but in between those was a, where you got pulled over was not a legal state. So um, what was the reason why you got pulled over? Were they following you or was it speeding? So, no, I actually was driving perfectly. Uh, I had my car on cruise control. The reason that the police officer or the state trooper pulled me over because I had no reason to be pulled over, but he said that he heard me weaving, like hitting the rumble strips. Mm -hmm. So this is on the dash cam. I actually have the footage on the dash cam. You know, the officer pulls up to the window. He says, Hey, you know, pulled you over. Cause I heard you weaving back there. You know, were you on your phone? Have you been drinking? You know, asking the normal questions. I answered yeah. everything, you know, to, to my best of my ability. I know my rights because I've, I've been in this industry, been in, you know, knowing what the proper procedure is if you get pulled over and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Basically, he tells me like, oh, hey, I'm going to write you up a warning and you can go on your way. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm thinking like, all right, then I'm good. And so uh, as soon as he's writing me up the warning, uh, he tells me, he's like, I have a, a reason to believe you're uh, transporting marijuana. I have, get this, I, I have everything vacuumed. So there's, there's absolutely no smell in the car. It was properly sealed, properly uh, packaged, and uh, he just happened to run his dog, and uh, the dog hits. What was the reason why he thought that you might have marijuana? Did the dog signal from no. his car? Well, when he came up to the window, he looked in the car, mm -hmm. and there was nothing crazy in the car, but I mean, it's, it was an excess amount of luggage, so everything mm -hmm. was in luggage bags. And, uh, I mean, I guess it kind of looks weird, but I don't know. I, I have it all on, on, on film. Like I was, I was planning to release it in a little series that I'm currently working on right now for YouTube. Yeah. When you get, uh, when you get that release, make sure you send it to me so we can link it up in the show notes. Oh, for sure. Um, okay. So, but it was in the trunk, right? It wasn't in the back seat. No. So the car that I had, it was, uh, it was a rental expedition mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it was in the back yeah it was in the back like cargo area 
Okay, so he's looking at the cargo. He sees all the luggage. He's putting two and two in his mind together. He takes a gamble. He says, I think you might. I'm going to bring the dog out. And then obviously, you know, for him, it's a jackpot. He can't believe what's going on. What was going through your head? Damn, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> you, you, I would, in that moment, did you know what was about to go down? No, but as soon as he popped the, the, the latch up and he opened the bag, I already knew like my, my, my stomach just sunk, <laughs> sunk. And I was like, Oh damn, I'm donezo right now. But I mean, I, I didn't resist arrest or nothing. I mean, I know the whole procedure. I went down to the station, didn't answer any questions, um, requested for my attorney to be present. And, you know, they booked me up and I bailed out two days later. What was the conversation like uh, with Anfisa at the time when you told her what happened? She's like, I hope you get 12 years. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll fast forward to prison. You go into prison. For those people listening that have never been to prison, what is prison life like? Well, to sum it up, to make it, you know, in, in a very easy perspective for people to kind of understand. I mean, if you're somebody that's just going to go into prison and do your time and not really be involved with anything else, it's, it's not, it's like, it's nothing. It's, um, it's very boring. You have to find something to do, keep yourself motivated, keep yourself busy. It's depressing. I mean, you have to get used to being told what to do by guards and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's crazy to be told what to do as a grown ass adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it when you see, you know, when you see it on television where, you know, there's people getting stabbed and there's rapes and, you know, murders and, you know, all those horrible prison things. Was it like that or was it, were you in a place that wasn't really that bad? No. So there's levels of prison. Okay. You know, there's, there's maximum security prison where it's controlled movement at all times. That's called the level five yard. And then there's a level four yard where it's some sort of a little more freedom than that. And then there's a level three yard where it's like violent crime, you know, a little bit of a kind of a little mixture of everything. And they're not as controlled. And then there's a level two yard where it's like DYs and drug charges and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I think that's it. There's only, there's two, three, four and five yards. Okay. And which level were you in? I was at the lowest level. I was at a two yard. Okay. All right. So many of us go through times in our life where we lose hope. We feel depressed. We feel unmotivated. Some of us stay there and others decide to set a new standard and change. And you decided to step into the world of Tony Robbins. Can you tell me more about that portion of your story? So that was almost sort of an accident, really. I was in our library. We have, so the prison where I was at, it was a working unit. So we have a little more privilege than, than anybody else. Um, we have like a full-on library. We have a choir room. We have a computer. I mean, no internet, of course, but we have a little more access to things than usual just because, you know, we're there making the prison run. We got movies and popcorn machine and all these little extra perks. Well, anyways, it so happens that I find this Tony Robbins book in prison. 
It's called uh, Awaken the Monster Within. or Awaken, awaken the Giant Within. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Awaken the Giant Within. Mm-hmm. I find this book and I start reading it and I'm just like, wow, this is bizarre. You know, like this guy, like I'm going through it and the stories in there is saying that, you know, how people have gone through stuff and changed their life. And I was kind of inspired by it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to kind of, re- I'm going to read this book as many times as I need to until I make a change. And at the time, that's when my wife had blocked me. You know, I, I had already been in prison for a little while. So mm-hmm. when I find this book, I'm just like, wow, you know, I need to make this, I make, I need to make a change ASAP mm-hmm. as I'm getting motivated more and more, you know, going through this book. And I took it day by day and I couldn't believe that, like how fast the results came. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I got to somewhere in the middle of the book, I was already, you know, working on my diet. Cause you can still add weight to yourself in prison. You could still eat bad in prison. You could, you could still gain weight and get bigger. It was more of a discipline thing. More of after reading this book, I was able to discipline myself and drop the weight so fast. I was dropping up like 30 pounds a month, probably 35, 40. I don't know. It was, there would be some times where I would drop so fast. It wasn't even funny. And people around me are noticing these results and they're just like, what the heck? Like, this is so bizarre. So crazy. And, um, I had done a little bit of research about it before I went to prison. So I kind of like took whatever I knew as far as like dieting and stuff like that, like intermediate fasting. And then, um, I had like family look some stuff up on the internet and just little tips here and there. And it was working so fast. Everything I was doing, the, the focus that I had to drop the weight. Cause I told myself like, I have nothing else going on in prison right now. Like what's going to help me? What am I going to do? What am I going to be able to do to get out and change my life? And so, yeah, well, I mean, let, let's dig into that. So 125 pounds in total is what you lost while you're in prison. You and another inmate decided, Hey, we're going to work out twice a day. We're going to do some military based training once in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, second mm-hmm. one in the afternoon. How does that work while you're in prison? Can you just go to the gym or do you, could you work out in, 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 I'm assuming you sleep in a cell is like, how does that work? Yeah. So that's what it comes back to the prison where I was at. It's very lenient with things. So usually at other prisons, they have full lockdown at certain hours and stuff like that. Where I was at, there was no lockdown at all. You could walk outside, you could do whatever you want, unless it was count time, which they would have count, count would clear within a couple minutes, and then you can go about your day and do whatever you want. So that being said, um, I started working out with my buddy. I don't know if he wants me to mention his name or anything like that, but uh, okay. because of his affiliation with things, but I started working with my, I started working out with my buddy, and. Uh, he was pretty motivating towards, you know, helping me kind of get past my situation because people around me could notice that I was depressed. I was going through stuff, you know, and people pay attention to that, especially if they're your friends or, you know, they're kind of around you all the time. And so uh, he kind of pulled me, you know, under his wing and we started working out, doing burpees in the morning. Then we would, we would do jogging. Then we would do weights. Like, and, and we don't have that many weights accessible to us but we would do whatever we could. And then I combine that with, with dieting, which I feel like the dieting is the one that like actually helped manage the weight loss faster than the workouts. The workouts is just good to kind of tighten up the loose skin and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's it's interesting to me that there was a path, you know, as I'm sort of like looking at this whole thing from the outside, there was a clear path that you needed to go down in order to make a change. And it, it for you, it seemed like, you know, to get some things, you know, knocked into your head, you had to, you know, pay some p- pretty heavy prices, you know, in order for you to, you know, make the, the shifts that you've made. And, you know, when I think about a 125 pound weight loss at a time where, you know, most people would figure, you know, I'm either going to be, you know, either not eating at all, or I'm going to be overeating because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of emotional issues. You went all in and cleaned up your diet and went into burpees. And, you know, it's just, it's remarkable. And I, I guess the next question is, you know, You've been beaten up um, on social media a lot, you know, for lots of different things. You've been praised as well. But now it's like you've got these, you've got an army of women that are like going crazy over the way that you look now. What does that feel like for you? You know, I want to put this in a, in a, in a good way because I could see it going the wrong way if I say the wrong thing. You know, being in prison and being locked up, like obviously being a man you have a lot of, you know, pent up emotions and trying to be with the women and talk to women and stuff like that. And I never had this type of attention like this from women in the past. Yeah. Um, I didn't do it to, to solely get attention for women. I did it for myself to change my weight, to change my health, to change how I feel. And then as I got out, I started to get all this attention and stuff. And I kind of went along with it. Like, you know, I, I was, you know, talking back to some of these girls and stuff like that. And then I caught myself, you know, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't really do this. Like I, I didn't want to do it like that. Um, I started talking to some girl that I was talking to when I was locked up and, um, I kind of just stopped replying. You know, I like, I didn't really have too much attention. I didn't want to be that guy, you know, like mm-hmm. get out and, you know, start messing around and, you know, be looked at that, like that one guy, you know, like, oh, what what an asshole, you know, you were talking in prison and all this stuff. And I felt some sort of way toward this girl. And, I, and then now I met some other girl. And now I'm just like, I'm just blown away by her. Like I had this vision of what I wanted my next or future girl to be like. And she shares all of the qualities and more. And I'm just blown away by her. Like, I I can't even believe that I found her through all of this stuff. Like, through all, like, I have like models messaging me and, you know, girls like telling me, hey, you know, let's hang out. I'll take you out to dinner and this and that. And like, after I started talking to her as on a serious note, I've even been debating to kind of just get rid of all my social media. And just live a uh, uh, life, a private life. Mm-hmm. And I'm still debating it. I'm still kind of, you know, I'm going to meet her tomorrow for the first time. And if it goes is how I feel, you know, to do something like that, then I might just go that route. It's exciting. You know, n- knowing what you know now, if hindsight were 2020 and you can kind of like back up, and go all the way back to that moment where you were, you know, considering doing the K-1 visa. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a different person now. 
right? You think differently, you look differently, you've had different experiences. Would you have made different decisions if you could rewind the clock and just take a pass on it? I mean, if I was a, if I was a person that I am today, that mm-hmm. probably would have never happened. Just because I have a clear mind of, of how I feel, of how I was thinking, you know, I just, I don't know. I'd like now going back at it and thinking about it is like, man, if, if I would have just invested all that money I spent going, you know, showing off and all this other stuff, I, you know, thinking about it is like, it was a very immature move. Mm-hmm. Um, I portrayed myself to be, you know, showing a different, uh, in a different aspect, you know, having money, doing this fast life. But now that I think about it, it's like, what do I have to show for it now? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, the ego is a funny thing, isn't it? Right. You yeah, want everybody definitely. to see the cars and the flash and the glitz. And meanwhile, inside, and that's why, that's why I asked that question. Cause a lot of, a lot of people who listen to the show are entrepreneurs. Uh, some of them are very, very successful. Some of them are just beginning and, you know, they have things on their vision board, like, you know, the next Ferrari or the next, and they will make decisions based on pushing that envelope. And, at the end of the day, that is never the thing that's going to bring the happiness. I mean, you're certainly a, a walking example, you know, of that. So how long are you out of uh, prison now? It's it's new, isn't it? Yeah, I've been, I mean, I'm coming up on like three weeks or something like that. Let me check my calendar. <laughs> I don't, okay. I'm losing track of days just because my days are going so fast. I have so many things going on right now. It's crazy. I just feel like... How, how does it feel to be out? Oh, it feels amazing. Just being able to have the power to do something, you know, to actually act on my thoughts is blowing my mind. You have incredible grat- gratitude, I'm sure. How does, um, how does your body feel? Because you were, you know, you're, you're not a, you know, a six foot five guy. You had an extra 125 pounds on you. You know, that's got to feel different. Forget the way you look because you look amazing. But how does it Thank feel you. when you wake up in the morning? You're probably moving better, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd never had the urge to wake up every day to do something until, you know, being out of prison. It's like I wake up at, uh, what is it like? Sometimes I wake up at four in the morning. Sometimes I wake up at five, just depending on the day or depending on what I have going on. But usually yeah. I wake up early in the morning and I start working on something. Either if I'm working on editing for you know my my videos or um, mm-hmm. my plan for the day or whatever I got going on, and then after I'm done with that, I'll go jogging, I'll go hiking. That's a, a priority, a daily priority, is to do something active so that maybe I don't put on this weight back on. Because I mean, I hear a lot of stories. A lot of people told me like that they've been in and out of prison, and when they get out, you know, it's just it's hard to keep up and maintain, but Lately, it's been pretty good. I've been going on these hiking trails and the area that I live in is beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous there. Do you feel, you know, because you made that transformation in prison and now you're out into, you know, you're the, the, the surroundings that you, that you were heavier in, you know, there's a lot of triggers, right? There's a lot of uh, familiar things that you can slide into. Are there... Are there temptations now to go back to behaving the way you did in terms of diet and exercise? 
Or do you feel like it, it, there's been enough of a hardwire change in your body that you're just never going to go back that way? No, I feel like there's a hardwire change for sure. Especially in that book, that it talks about how to focus out of getting pleasure out of pain, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it so does. Like basically, anything that you associate as pain to now associate it as pleasure. And that's how I feel. It's like anytime I think about going and eating junk food, I, I associate it to, to pain. Mm, that's like, great. Have you've, you've obviously never done, not obviously, but you've never done a Tony Robbins uh, seminar, I'm assuming. Yeah. No, but I do look forward to maybe doing one one day pretty soon. Yeah, I've done um, I've done five unlimited power weekends, and I've done three date with destinies with him. And um, all I can tell you is that there, if you think the book is good, spend seven days with him. It's insane. <laughs> that yeah, that it's sounds really... like a lot of fun. I do, you know, I do look up to this man as uh, you know an inspiration. Definitely was able to do or have a great impact on my life, and I hope to maybe get the one the the chance or an opportunity one day to to say what's up. And thank yeah. him for, you know, such a drastic change in my life. For sure. All right. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want to, I'm going to ask you some questions that are sort of unrelated to, um, to what we've been talking about, but they're more about you as a person. Mm -hmm. What do people often get wrong about you? I don't know. You know, it's been kind of crazy. I've been kind of away from like the media and stuff like that for quite a little while. I'm barely kind of catching up, but um, the reactions that I've been getting, I mean, especially like on my Instagram and stuff, it's all been positive stuff. I haven't really got any like anything wrong. Great. Great. What's the one rule that you have for yourself that you'll never break? I would say never hope for something to just fall on my lap and just, act. Mm. I don't know, maybe like having the rule of action mm -hmm. that I feel like I will never break now. Got it. So it's not just going to show up in your life. You got to you got to work for it. Yes. What is an unusual or absurd thing that you love? Like, what's the thing where you're like, people may think this is weird, but I like it. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Uh, if I could spend a month, I would say in Barcelona, Spain. Really? Why? I really feel at home there. I got to travel to Barcelona a lot with my ex-wife and I got to spend a, you know, about a month there actually. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or throughout Spain, but we we were in Barcelona for a little while and I really liked it. I enjoyed, you know, the vibe of everybody and I'm Spanish speaking. My grandparents are from Valencia, Spain. And uh, I just feel that, I don't know. I just felt like it was home. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on booking a trip. I, I did Barcelona last year. I'm working on booking the trip to San Sebastian. I haven't done that one yet. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I love, I love Spain. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? That's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm kind-hearted and I'm always you know, willing to help, but I don't know if I would be a superpower. That sounds like one. What is a guilty pleasure of yours? Driving exotic cars. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. All right. Last question. Um, we're going to switch things up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? What do you think about me? I think you are a really, really kind, soft-hearted guy that wants 
desperately to be in a meaningful relationship with somebody and you are willing to overlook some uh, inadequacies, insecurities, and maybe even be willing to not be treated well and look past it and try and do the best you can to um, have the relationship work. And, you know, if I could take it a step further, I would say the universe said to you, no, 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 you deserve better. You deserve to be living a life that's filled with meaning and purpose and be in a relationship that has meaning and purpose where you deeply respect and love each other. And I'm not going to let you continue this way. So we're going to fuck this whole shit up and we're <laughs> going to get you somebody that's amazing because you're not doing it yourself. And you know what? It's so bizarre that I was, I had this, like I was saying earlier, you know, I had this vision of what I wanted from my next woman after all this other stuff happened. And she just showed up out of nowhere. And it was bizarre because it wasn't even like a romantic, it didn't even start up as a romantic conversation. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, I can't wait to meet this girl. You know, I, I hope that all of my reasoning for wanting to meet this girl is on point. I hope that, you know, she's amazing as, as I, as I feel that she is. And I look forward to the, you know, the next, the next relationship. I mean, yeah, man, there's a, there's a path. You're on a path right now. And you have to, I think, allow this to just happen the way it happens because this girl showed up in your life because you're different. You created um, a space and energy to allow it to come in. You've evolved. You've grown. She's vibing that new, uh, that new person and her vibe and your vibe are now connecting. And you know, it's going to unfold exactly the way it's supposed to. So every single thing that has happened in your life has happened exactly for a reason and for a purpose. And I wouldn't change a damn thing. Um, and I'm really, really excited for, uh, for Jorge 2.0 because this, you got some, you got some great things that are, that are coming down. This physical transformation is just, is just the beginning. I got a, I got a really good feeling about you. Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate, you know, all these fine words that you're telling me right now. Um, it definitely reinforces the way that I feel. It's just, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be able to experience life in a whole new aspect. And I hope that uh, everything works out. It's going to work out. Stay, uh, stay, uh, stay in gratitude. <clears throat> yeah. Let's have an intention that it will work out. The mantra that I live by is everything is always working out for me. I like that. I'm going to have to take yeah. that. Yeah. Everything's always working out for me. Well, dude, thank you so much. Um, what is the best way for people to uh, stay in touch with you? Do you have a, a website or how uh, was an Instagram or what's the best way to people? For yeah, people to um, the best way right now, I think is Instagram at Mr. Nava at Mr. J Nava underscore. That's just the best way that I keep track of things and kind of stay keeping the people updated on what's going on in my current situation. But like I said, I don't know. I don't know how things are going to go after tomorrow. I might just get rid of all my social media and just decide to live a private life. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch you and see what happens. So keep us updated. Let us know what it looks like. We're going to link up everything in the show notes when you get that, uh, when you get those videos put together, we'll put that in there as well. And thank you again for taking the time to do this. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much, Rob. 
All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 